Welcome to Peace Out. It's time for just a bit of music history, theory, and fun? Well, it is at least fun for me. My name is Jeffrey Hampton, and before this past year, the best way you can describe me was Jeffrey Hampton, shoe salesman, pizza delivery guy. But a big change happened, and I had the opportunity to go back to school and finish my long-abandoned music degree in piano performance. So in a couple months, I really hope I can add on to that job description. Delivery guy. Shoe salesman. Pianist? Piano teacher? You know, the sky's the limit. And the goal of this podcast is to help make sense of classical music. There is a plethora of amazing recordings available of just about any piece out there. If you go to Amazon right now, or Spotify, or whatever you use to listen to music, and type in Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, go ahead. I got time to wait. You found a lot of recordings, didn't you? Not just a few, but a ton of them. And you may be asking yourself, which is the right one? Which is the wrong one? Do I just pick the first one? This one over here, man, look, man, that, that person on the cover, they look serious with that uh, with that stick they're waving around. They look like they can mess me up. Maybe I pick that one. You know, many of these pieces have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. And recording technology has allowed us to, you know, kind of capture that for the past 100 at this point, you know, roughly speaking. But there is some good news. And the answer is simple. There is no wrong answer. Podcast over. Thank you for listening. In all seriousness, that still leaves a rather intimidating amount of recordings and performers to pick through. And, you know, many of them are excellent. And that is the ultimate goal of this podcast to help it be hopefully less scary and to help give you, the listener, a bit of a springboard of sorts and a chance to look under the hood of some of this amazing music. And, you know, maybe kind of help point out some recordings that you yourself may enjoy. Today, the piece we're going to look at is Sergei Prokofiev's Piano Concerto Number no. 3 in C Major, Opus 26. I know that is a bit of a mouthful, but you kind of get used to titles like that after a while. He was born in 1891 and died in 1953 and lived through that early 20th century time as composers found themselves pushing the bounds of tonal music, and some of them just abandoning it altogether. Prokofiev was a composer pianist. Um, that was still pretty common at that point in time. Many composers were also pianists, and many of them were making their living as concert pianists. Uh, the interesting thing about Prokofiev is, is that his piano playing, at least during his St. Petersburg days, was considered a little bit uneven. Boris Berman, a pianist, 
uh, and writer who wrote a book on Prokofiev's sonatas has a bit in there about um, Prokofiev as a pianist. And he was uh, recognized as an accomplished pianist in his day. Um, and that he played the piano with great ease and confidence. Though it turns out his technique left a lot to be desired. And that he would be kind of like, you know, guilty of not holding his hands in the right position. Though he could get through difficult passages, he would find himself struggling with some of the basics like playing a simple scale or arpeggios. And it turns out he was quite obstinate to boot. But that did not get in his way. He would develop an individual way of playing the piano and writing for the piano as well. And a lot of his pieces will find, you know, kind of elements of that on display. A lot of it is going to be, you know, driven, fast passages or meditative lyrical ones, you know, kind of between the fast and slow there. A lot of it is always uh, has some rhythmic drive to it. And this concerto has that on display in spades. But we are getting ahead of ourselves just a little bit. We'll look at, you know, 1917, which would find Prokofiev leaving Russia to avoid the revolution and living throughout Europe and the United States and even taking time to visit Japan. Now, this does skip a lot of fascinating details of the composer's life, and I totally recommend anyone to take time to read any of the numerous biographies and books about his life and career. It is fascinating. But we would see the creation of the concerto, his uh, third concerto during this time, over a four-year time period from 1917 to 1921, which he would ultimately premiere the concerto himself in December of 1921 with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Now, this concerto is not just maybe one of his most popular concertos, which it kind of seems to go back and forth between it and his uh, second piece, a second piano concerto. But it is easily one of the most popular piano concertos, period. You know, if you look it up, there's well over a hundred recordings available of this piece. And that makes it very easy to get lost and overwhelmed by the amount of fantastic performances that capture this piece in audio. the opening of the third concerto right there it's kind of a slow lyrical introduction and if you listen to you can hear the clarinet you know the clarinet introduction there and that melody is going to become very important to the uh, piece as a whole especially the first movement actually the playing on that one was from uh, Sergei Prokofiev himself 
with the London Symphony Orchestra and kind of get an idea of how he himself sounded. Of course, another really, really cool aspect of this movement is what's going to be known as possibly the greatest C major riff of all time. And you kind of hear it several times in the movement. The first time is actually just in that introduction there. Kind of hear the orchestra play it as it kind of ramps up for the piano introduction. And we hear it two more times. One right towards the end, you know, bringing in a nice finale. And uh, the second time, it brings in uh, the recapitulation of this first movement. And we're going to listen to that part played amazingly by Martha Argerich. Uh, she plays it with Claudio Abado. I always pronounce that name wrong. Um, and it is with the Berliner Philharmonic. Uh, the recording is actually from the late 60s. probably my favorite moment in the whole movement if not really the whole piece i just love how it kind of just builds excitement and it just kind of keeps going it almost feels perpetual like that and that piece has been a calling card of uh, martha Argerich for decades now since uh the 60s uh you can find videos all through the decades of her playing it and many different recordings of it and they're all amazing to listen to, just to kind of give some different options on that one. Though this early one is probably my favorite. And we're not going to go over the whole piece with this. It's, um, while it is easier to follow uh, structurally over some of Prokofiev's works, um, there's just a lot there, and there is a lot there to enjoy. These moments are my favorite moments from the uh concerto as well as some of my favorite performers of it and hopefully when you listen to it um you'll find some moments that you yourself love and you know performers either the ones i'm talking about here or otherwise that you enjoy just as much a lot of concertos that you'll find will follow a kind of fast slow fast with the the different movements and this one is no exception the second movement is a very lyrical um, movement and while over the course of the movement it runs the complete gamut of emotions and you know at different tempos and things like that uh, it, it is it does feel like it starts a bit calmer than the first movement We'll start with listening to the actual, just the theme. It is a theme in variations. So we'll start listening with the theme. And the cool thing about this is, is like each one of the themes, uh, but one of them does kind of end with this little uh, cadence. And it's almost just kind of like a little signature at the end of each variation. 
And that was the first variation there. Uh, piano doesn't really enter until the second variation, but we did get to hear the orchestra and that little cadence right there at the end. Uh, that was from the recording, uh, the recording made by Evgeny Kissin with, um, of all things, fellow pianist uh, turned conductor Vladimir Ashkenazi, who also recorded this piece. Let's listen just a little bit further so we can hear uh, Evgeny Kissin's uh, wonderful playing in the first variation. This piece being a uh, theme in variations, it does kind of, as I said before, run the gamut of different emotions. The next variation, which is a much rowdier version of the theme, can be heard played by, well, the conductor of the last one, Vladimir Ashkenazi on the piano of this one during the mid-70s, with Andre Previn conducting with the London Symphony Orchestra. <laughs> And with the fourth variation, possibly the most famous part of this movement, we're introduced to a fairy tale image. An enchanted, frozen stillness. That was the lovely playing of uh, Mora Limpany. But of course, this movement isn't done with us yet. The fifth and final movement is a romp for both piano and orchestra. Of course, there's a bit of a coda, but we get to go out in pretty grand fashion before we get to the third movement. To bring this movement home, I'm going to play part of a one of the more recent recordings with a long, long with Simon Rattle with the Berliner Philharmonic. Mm -hmm. 
the third movement, it's almost best just to jump in. It's pretty easy to follow. Its form is an ABA form. And we're going to listen a little more from that piano dynamic duo of Evgeny Kissin and Vladimir Ashkenazi. There's a great bit of buoyancy to their playing there. The texture is heavy and thick, but it does just kind of bounce right along as the orchestra starts with another C major riff kind of theme playing there, and the piano just kind of plays right along with it. So it's going to sound like I'm glossing over a large part of this movement, and really, that's true. If you get a chance to, the work is amazing to listen to in its entirety, and I don't want to spoil too much. The form of this one, as I said before, is an A B A, and we get another lyrical section between these two A sections. The ending of this piece, though, is an amazing, exciting finale, and one of the most exciting finales in any piano concerto. Prokofiev pulls out all the stops as he wants the piano both to have the sound of a glissando. Um, for those who don't know, a glissando is just like when you see somebody take their hands on the keys, something like the back of their hand, and they just slide it up the length or down the length of the keyboard. He wants a glissando, but he also wants all the notes to sound at the same time. So instead of compromising, the music has a section of just notes on rapid fire, and the fingers have to play between the keys to get that sound of both a glissando as well as having all the notes played. Of course, then, the finale just doesn't end there, as it does eventually just get to a fever pitch of octaves just being banged out on the piano as the orchestra and everything comes to a close. So for hearing part of that, we will listen to Yefim Bronfman play the finale with uh, Zubin Mehta. Um, and here we go. And there we can hear those uh, wonderful notated glissandos as that uh, third section really gets going, going into the finale. Of course, with the recordings we've listened today, that was only five of them, but there is quite a bit of them to pick from. And if you go on YouTube, the uh, amount of performances available of this work is just astounding. And many of them are excellent. Um, the five we looked, uh, well, I guess six, uh, the ones we looked at today, um, are some of my favorite ones to listen to. Um, but you're probably wondering if, if I had to recommend just one, 
Uh, which one would I recommend? And after a lot of careful thought, I kind of was like, well, which one do I listen to the most when I get in the mood for this one? And that's honestly going to be that last recording there by uh, Yethan Bromman. Uh, that one was released in the uh, 90s. Um, it's not an ancient one. Um, though I will say it is closely tied with the uh, Martha Argerich one, which is also just amazing. Though, as I said, many of you may find recordings that you like more, and I always welcome the conversation on that one, or to see if there's any recordings I haven't had a chance to listen to. There's a lot, and I'm always curious, so feel free to comment on this one if there's any of them particularly that you like. We're going to finish out the episode by, well, just letting the piece finish out. So... Looking forward to talk to you again soon. I think our next episode is going to be about the Barber Piano Concerto. Thank you for listening. (laughs) ¶¶